0: Morning, everyone. Hey, Chef.
1: Hey, Dan. Hello, everyone. We're going to get started in just a little bit. Uh, well, I am the voice of Zen Gate. And yes, I do sound like Dan, but I am not Dan. I just sound like Dan. It's a Terminator. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm here for Serakana.
2: I just want to say good morning to everyone, uh, from this side of the world. Um, I'm very, very excited for this, for this Twitter space. Uh, it's 6 AM in the Pacific, in the, in the, um, in the West coast. And, uh, am I'm, I'm starting my day with a, uh, with a really nice, uh, Twitter space with, uh, with all the amazing people here. Yes. Uh, we're very lucky to have Mr.
1: Chef, uh, you know, just doing all the social media for us. And he is definitely, uh, you know, a, a one-man army. I mean, up at the crack of dawn, goes to bed really late. Uh, you know, just I kind of feel like maybe if someday uh, his wife meets me, she's going to hurt me for taking
2: up all this free time. 100%. I'm telling you right now, man. 100%. Let's go the other way. <laughs> all right. Well, then then I'll, I'll know what to watch out for. Uh, I'm just gonna do some some house cleaning here, and uh, if I may ask everyone to share the the this Twitter space uh, to to everybody so we can start having more people trickling in uh, slowly. Um, we're gonna we're gonna give uh, we're gonna give you all an update uh, for what happened and what will happen uh, in the month of March uh, as as. Uh, as we've started doing the last couple months, uh, we've been giving you uh, an update every month. So we're really excited for, for this Twitter space. Uh, please retweet it and let's get some more people in.
1: And now Sam will sing for us.
2: Most likely, I he's didn't singing. send him. He didn't get the memo. Most likely, that's why. That's why he didn't bring the the microphone and everything else in his playlist. No, I think he's he's
1: singing right now. He just has the the his, his mic is on mute, you know. So, um, yeah, Sam, if you're singing, take your mic off of mute.
0: Oh yeah, sorry guys, I didn't realize I was on mute there. I got my ukulele with me. Will that do? <laughs>
1: Uh, uh that—that's you know, it, it, it's like one of those uh, it, it, w- w- one of those like things, you know. Should I stay or should I go? Uh, if I go, there will be trouble. If I stay, there will be double. So it's
0: just kind of you know, one, one of those situations. I don't hear me sing. Well, the whole point
1: is to bring more people in, yeah. not to scare them off yeah that's actually a good, uh, good 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 call, good call, chef. yeah, all right. okay, so no singing just yet, all right, Sam? Cause you know yep. Sam On Sam was a single Sam, Sam was a young guy, you know he's not like me, he's not old and uh, you know, uh, just like home bodied. Uh, you know, he goes out. he you know he he does a little does a little couple of drinks and uh, you know has a life ish type of thing.
2: He's a so monastery monster in Osaka.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you never know. He might be somewhere at a, at a very, very quiet bar, karaoke place.
3: So, right, Mr. Dan,
2: uh, do you want to kick it off uh, slowly? Uh, I think it's time for us to start to st- yeah, st- yeah. stop picking up uh, on uh, on Sam. <laughs> well listen I, I i don't think there's ever
1: such a time to stop that but uh, let's kind of put that in the back right now and maybe kick the space off all right so everyone once again thanks for joining really really glad to have you all here and uh, i see more and more people are joining us right now as i speak um yeah so well aside from uh, just being able to really uh kind of uh you know connect with uh, with our community it's also great to be able to uh be speaking with you actually on this particular space because um we have so much uh that's going to be happening this month i mean there's already stuff happening right now um, you know you see our updates you see our tweets or well, my tweets and you know they try to get some to tweet but i don't know you know Sam is like the oldest twenty four year old I know I mean like I feel like a little girl like seventeen year old high school girl when when I you know like with my social media presence compared to Sam Sam was like Dan you should be spending your your time on much more serious stuff than you know shit posting on social media anyway um well going back to what I was saying uh we do have a lot of really exciting things happening so first and foremost uh well we're right now we're finishing up uh our reports and uh basically uh analysis of the workshops that we had in december of last year so basically my trip to sri lanka so we did a lot of uh, business development since then uh, made a lot of connections made a lot of kind of uh you know connected a lot of dots and also uh we have put together a uh, uh, a report based on our findings during the uh, workshop in Thailand uh, with Osiris and so this is a very interesting report that we're putting together right now half put together already um that has to do with uh, gold traceability and basically utilizing a traceability on palmyra um, so that's that's something that it, it's, 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 a, it's not a, I mean, it's, it's a very nuanced commodity gold, especially Thai gold. So we really are taking our time uh, working with Osiris and really understanding uh, how to uh, best utilize the platform to bring the most value. Now, what's extremely exciting right now that's coming up is the Sri Lanka trip. So Sam and I are going to be coming out to Sri Lanka, um, uh, so we're leaving, uh, well, I think around the 16th, but we have uh, workshops starting on the 18th, and these workshops are going to be with uh, the Sri Lankan factory owners, the tea factory owners that we signed MOU with the last time I was in Sri Lanka. So um, Sam, why don't you fill everybody in on uh, what these workshops are going to be about?
0: Yeah. So even before we sort of jump into the workshops, the last couple of weeks, we've been speaking one-on-one with the pilot partners, that are um, the the factory owners that Dan just talked about. And we've been getting a lot of really interesting information that, well, firstly, you can't find online, um, but also we weren't able to access on the last time we were on the ground in December. So it's been really interesting just to speak to them. We've also been speaking to a bunch of other stakeholders as well, regulators, um, exporters, farmers, um, and so financial institutions as well, and getting a lot more input um, in terms of what we're looking to do on the ground. So the point, I guess the objective of the workshops is to go to them, present back our findings, present back the solution that we want to build um, and get some input from them. We're super excited. We're going to be running two workshops, one in Candy and one in Goal, um, Gal, I think is the way you pronounce it. Um, two days, um, lots of meetings, um, a lot of things lined up, jam-packed. And I wish we were there for longer, but um, we're only there for a week this time around. Dan's actually heading over to the States, um, which he can fill you, go- fill you guys in in terms of what we're doing there. But, um, yeah, jam-packed, really busy, um, and so sort of hope to get a lot done um, on the ground.
1: And that's candy with a K, not with a C. Um, so it's a really cool region of, of Sri Lanka. If you, if any of you guys actually visit Sri Lanka, I highly recommend candy. Um, yeah. And so, um, following these workshops, our next big, um, event, you know, our next big, uh, kind of boots on the ground event is actually the, uh, the world tea expo in Las Vegas, which is going to be happening from the 27th of March to the 29th of March. Uh, and this is a big deal. Um, and I don't know if maybe, if maybe some of you heard that my uh, ergo AMA last uh, last night or last morning or whatever it was for you. For me, it was last night <laughs> um, where I kind of spoke about what, what's been happening, what, why this is really important. But I'll, I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll reiterate that. The reason why this particular expo is super important for us and is really cool for us to be at is, well, number one, we're actually getting featured. Uh, the expo promoters or the expo organizers are really into what we're doing. And so they're kind of helping us out. They're getting media around us. They're getting uh, they, they placed us in a really, really good spot on the expo floor. And so this expo is the largest T-Expo Um in the world i think or at least one of the largest i think it is the largest um and there's another one in dubai but uh this one is one of the largest at the very least and um it's really cool because we're actually going to be able to meet and uh and to kind of mingle and uh uh, converse with uh, the uh, pretty much the entire spectrum of uh potential palmyra uh, uh users uh so there's going to be uh factory owners over there. In fact, uh one of the factory owners that has been super supportive uh in Sri Lanka for us is actually going to be coming out there and joining us at the uh expo. Um and aside from that, there's gonna be other factory owners, other uh, commodity create a tea a tea growers, um there's going to be uh, a delegation from the regulatory agencies in Sri Lanka. Now, on the other side, what's really cool is uh, there's also going to be our uh, our buyer audience. And so people that are actually going to, going to be utilizing Palmyra to purchase this uh, new increased supply that we're going to bring to the world through Palmyra. And so this is actually going to be also really really cool because it's going to be uh also a, a white spectrum of, of buyers uh you know small business buyers that will buy maybe you know a uh, hundred kilograms of, of of tea for their business or for their restaurant uh, To uh, buyers that buy them by the ton and so uh it's going to be very very interesting to really get uh everybody's perspective on the on the ui and on the system itself uh we're not looking for uh you know for ditto heads uh, we're not looking for people to tell us oh it's great we're looking for people to tell us to give us constructive criticism over there and that's what i hope we'll get over there from from this from this wide range of, of people that are going to be there so yeah it's it's it's, it's very cool and and uh, mr chef would you maybe like to say how you will be involved with the uh, with this particular event
2: yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Dan. Um, what what I wanna, if I can, pick back a little bit and just tie it all together, is that you know we're, we're starting off with with in the middle of the month we're gonna go you're gonna go to Sri Lanka with with Sam and you know this is where we're gonna be meeting on the ground with with you know with uh, all the tea factory owners and all the like you said all the all the commodity producers. Essentially, and and then later on, um, you know, in in a week later, we're we're gonna go, we're gonna be in Vegas talking with, uh, with the buyers. So so we're just trying within this month to cut to cut uh, pretty much like the whole spectrum of the people that are gonna be utilizing uh Palmera Comdex and. Uh, and you know we're we're gonna see exactly what the needs are uh, and and what they're looking for. So we really think that this is gonna be something really big. Um, and now, what you know, when it comes to to, to my role into this, is that uh, unfortunately I won't be able to be in Sri Lanka, but uh, I will be in in Las Vegas with the team. And we're actually going to like, to your point, Dan, we're going to be talking and having interviews and, and and live fireside chat with, with the people that, you know, a of course is going to be with Dan and Sam and and the rest of the team, but B we want to make sure that we capture um, the, the, the perception and, and, you know, the thoughts of, of the people that will see the product for the first time, or, you know, the, the, um, we're going to be getting a live feedback from everybody. And like you said, it's not going to be just, hey, you know, nice product and everything else. We're actually going to get real feedback, honest feedback from everybody that is in this industry and knows exactly what, uh, what they need or what they're missing. Um, and that's exactly what we're trying to do there.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, for the lack of a better word, uh, we're going to be going over there and kind of uh, getting... Uh, you know, people who are directly involved in the industry, people who would be directly, uh, who are be would be our target audience. We're going to be going to them and saying, okay, here's what it is. Beat us up if you want to, you know, if there's something to do there. Um, and uh, that's just, like I said, it's very exciting for us because, um, I mean, the more, Feedback, the more constructive criticism we we get, the more we understand uh, the needs, nuances, and um, Mm -hmm. basically what works and what doesn't uh, ahead of the MVP. So that when we actually launch the MVP, which we're also now actively starting to um, kind of uh, plan out and uh, we're going to be, and and we're right now designing the architecture for, uh, the MVP is going to be that much more successful. Um so yeah, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, did I miss anything, Sam? Uh Theo, that did, did, did I miss anything uh before if, we if... get to
2: the to the questions? Yeah, if the... if there's Oh Sam, go ahead. So go ahead.
0: Oh I was just gonna say like it's like I think the socials and um content has really sort of you know amped up quite a lot since chef's been focusing a lot more of his time um this month and chef and i've been working on some content and some blogs um over the last week or so Um, and we've got quite a lot you know quite a nice pipeline of stuff we'll be rolling out over the next couple weeks so i don't know how many we've completed i think three or four already um this week and and i'll be sort of coming you know coming your way soon um so yeah, looking forward to being able to share all of that, and very thankful for Chef as well for just being on top of all of this.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Chef was a rock star. Well,
2: one thing, one thing that I want to mention, and and I think it's really important for for I I, I know it's important for, for for us, but but I, I just want to share it with with our audience as well. Is that like. We're going to go on the ground right now um, talking with all those people. But at the same time, this Twitter space that we're doing today, and, and we're going to have more happening uh, later in the month where, where when, when Dan and Sam are going to be on the ground or when we're going to be in Vegas. But w- what I want to make sure I'll mention here and highlight is that we value the feedback and the questions that we're getting from our community as well. Not just the, 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 the tea producers or, or the buyers, it's really important for for us to actually get your feedback as well so you know any questions that you might have either today on the on the space that we do but later on um, we're always open for for any feedback any questions so we're actually very thirsty for for, for that so uh, please feel free to either you know go go on our discord and and Hit us uh, over there with questions or in the comments on, on any of the tweets that we do. I just want to point that out and highlight it, that it's really important for us uh, to get that from you. And we do appreciate it when you do it. So, um, you know, it's just something that I wanted to point out, uh, because we do value all of your thoughts, your feedback and um, and everything else. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So,
1: um, uh, why don't you guys throw some questions at us if you uh, if you have any? Bueller?
2: Bueller? Yeah. Bueller. So if if, if if anybody has any question right now and and would like to come up, uh, like we're more than happy to to, to get you up here uh, for for any of your questions. Please don't be shy. I see I see a lot of familiar faces in here, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be at least one question uh that you might have and if you're shy, feel free to go uh and type that on the um, on the comment section as well yeah and there's also a couple of faces
1: or or known uh known people here that uh you know i i don't know if i'd want to uh really walk down the plank of letting them ask questions so
0: we've got both uh, on the line so Let's yes, on. yes, we Let's do. Let's give him a chance to talk.
2: Bertis, how are you doing, sir? so nice to, to talk to you.
1: You're on mute.
0: Oh, sorry Still. about that. Didn't know my mic was off. Uh, yeah, where are you going after tea? And I uh, just wanted to wish you some good luck on the show coming up.
3: But what other markets are you targeting? Where are we going besides tea?
1: Right, so um, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle this one, Sam, and then I'll I'll hand it over to you. Uh, yeah, so that's a very good question, actually, and we have been uh, really um, really approaching everything that we do in a two tier approach. So the micro and the macro, and I always tell this to Sam, and uh, sometimes uh, Sam, you know, gives me this face like, "Oh my God, stop saying that, Dan," already. But uh it's always about the micro and the macro um, and so uh, what that means is we're focused on the specific uh, specifically com- specific commodity and its nuances, but we're also focused on replicating the process with other commodities right and so uh, what we're thinking about after this so the next I guess lowest hanging fruit and again we still have to do research about this and do market analysis. But what seems to be the, the lowest hanging fruit for us uh, going forward after we uh, successfully onboard tea is actually Sri Lankan cinnamon, Ceylon cinnamon. Uh, it is uh, top shelf cinnamon. It's uh, actually considered the best in the world. In fact, it, is it the best in the world, Mr. Chef? I mean, that's, you know, you, uh, you'd you be the
2: one to tell us. Ceylon 100% cinnamon. it is. Yes, yes. 100%, man. Yeah, it's, it's top shelf, like you said.
1: Yeah, well, so yeah, this is, this is, this is, well, first of all, it's a pleasure to be able to, uh, to onboard such, uh, uh, you know, highly regarded uh, commodity, uh, that's just been, you know, the staple of cinnamon for, for so many years. Um, I've personally visited these cinnamon factories and they're also very eager to work with us. Uh, there's also a lot of value that we can bring to them and, uh, we, we can, and I believe we will, replicate uh, a lot of the onboarding processes that we're going to create with T when we onboard Cinnamon. So that's one. Um, Another, well, of course, we have Thai Gold, and Thai Gold is going to be the next, well, I mean, it is being focused on right now, but we're going to bring more focus to that as the uh, platform expands and matures, and our processes and onboarding techniques are mature. Um, Aside from that, another really interesting uh, commodity and very kind of uh, seems to be a low-hanging fruit for us is actually uh, the Turkish hazelnut uh, trade. Um, I was lucky enough to make some connections in Turkey, and uh, the Turkish hazelnut trade, uh, seems to suffer from this from some of the same issues as the Sri Lankan tea trade does um, which is basically uh, I guess a lack of access to markets um, some you know c- centralization of uh, some market access so basically what's happening with um, with Turkish uh, hazelnuts is that it is a f- Fairly well-developed commodity trade. However, uh, the Turkish hazelnut trade was, first of all, I think something like 80% of all hazelnuts in the world come from Turkey. I thought, um, th- yeah, it's, it's something like that. Um, so this is really a major, again, a multi-billion dollar uh, commodity. Um, but also what's happening with that commodity is that, and this is something that I spoke to a few people that are in this particular industry over there when I was in Istanbul last year, uh, and again this year of course uh, so what they're saying is that at one point England came in uh, to Turkey and this was a while ago, they came into Turkey and they standardized some of the trade but what they did was they actually brought a lot of it and, and funneled it through the UK and so a lot of the value goes to the UK and kind of leaves Turkey before they have an, they have a chance to to um, you know, get full value out of what they're creating. Um, So they're pretty much like producers, you know, just, they're just grunts in a way. Um, And so what they are trying to do is they're trying to bring this value back to Turkey and to create a marketplace in Turkey that can directly sell to the world um, to, to bring, to bring this value back to Turkey. And so, like I said, there's a lot of, uh, interest over there that we have uh, that, that we have discovered that to, the, uh, the, uh, to utilize this platform. Um, now, one more uh, one more commodity that we've also been uh, thinking about would be really great, and we're actually working with um, uh, uh, you know trying to kind of make this 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 uh, happen with some of the work streams for with IOG is actually Mongolian. Uh, cashmere Um, and again this is a very very interesting commodity it's again has the same issues as uh, a lot of these other commodities do basically they they produce a lot of it but a lot of it then gets bought out in the beginning of the value chain and sent through a different country in this case china and then china actually banks on a lot of the value. And so, utilizing this platform, we could potentially bring value back to Mongolia and to let them give them the opportunity to 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 create more value. So, I mean, that's that's that that's what we're thinking about uh, right now. Um, Sam, would you like to add anything to that?
0: Yeah, and I so Dan touched on the commodity dimension, but Bertus and so everyone else listening. I think there's a few other dimensions that we can expand as well. So tea, for a lot of commodities are grown or produced in other markets as well. So tea has many markets we can tap into, whether that's Kenya, Malawi, um, India. Um, If they need the types of solutions that we're offering, um, we'll be entering those markets. The other dimension that you can also think about is actually providing more modules for people and so businesses within the supply chain and sort of expanding that reach. So Right now, we might be working with the factory owners, um, but there's no reason why we could provide modules and to connect that process in with, with other stakeholders, whether that's with regulators or with exporters as well. And that's something we've been consciously thinking about. So I guess one of the good things about the ambition and sort of the scale of the type of project that we're pursuing right now gives us a lot of angles to, to build and add value and, and you know, make more money for some of these businesses, basically. Yeah, for for what it's worth, that that uh, small market stuff that with China that Dan was talking about, uh, they have a small commodities market. It does about eleven billion dollars a year, but it all has to get fed back in through China.
3: So this allows you to decentralize and to keep your product and your money in your
0: in your home country. Um, and it's you know if you can see the eleven billion dollars that China's doing, that gives you an idea of you know where Zengate's headed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, that's actually a really good point. So really what we're doing is, yeah, we're, we're bringing more opportunity to these particular regions. Now, um, when you do that, you really have to be careful though, because in a lot of these jurisdictions, um, you already have established entities that will resist if for lack of a better word, uh, and, you know, uh, I, I guess unauthorized, quote unquote, market access, uh, because they're the ones that control the market. So what you really have to do is you have to understand the uh, the makeup of the market. You have to understand who to form alliances with, because like I said, it's very nuanced. Uh, and to ha- who have on your side so that they can protection from such things as say you know getting regulated out of the market because again this is something that happens uh, in this, these jurisdictions as well I mean some of them it's you know a lot a lot easier to happen to than others but uh, nevertheless you you always have to kind of think about this you got to think about okay you're coming in there and you're giving these guys more power now why do they not have this power right now is it just because technology is it just because of that or is it more nuanced and a lot of times it is is it because somebody else already owns that market share and if you step on their foot they're not going to like it and they're going to go and try to get your ass out of there uh you don't want to do that so you have to really understand how to be able to you know work uh with these types of uh, people in these types of situations and To really see, you know, how you can do less cutting out of people and more kind of uh, pivoting, right? So um, what you can do is you can actually, uh, some of these entities, um, there's an ability to pivot them. And to make them see that what you're bringing actually also has value for them if they only change, like, this one little thing or these two little things. And that's basically how you present it to a lot of these entities. Um, And, of course, you can't always win, but uh, you always, uh, you know, you always kind of have to uh, take that, uh, I guess, well, I don't even know if this, this, this applies very well, but, you know, speak softly but carry a big stick so basically you know tread softly don't try to don't don't try to piss off too many people right away but be able to protect yourself if you need to protect yourself and that is with other relationships that you form so again it's just a lot of this is not just about the tech it's about the business development and that's you know business development is what i do business development is what sam does so this is something that uh um you know, that that, 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 that that I think we are really suited for is to basically navigate these types of jurisdictions.
2: But do you have any other question for us um, or, or you're good? And feel free to amuse yourself if you're trying to answer.
0: I'm good.
1: All right. Excellent thanks a lot for the question. So, um, that's actually, uh, something that I kind of wanted to, um, uh, to expand on with Sam. So Sam was saying, um, about, uh, kind of other value propositions around the trade. And so, um, Sam, why don't you kind of expand a little bit about on, uh, I mean, you know, you don't have to get into too much detail, but um, you know, maybe explain to the audience, uh, how, you know, say for example, when we had the meeting with Charles, right. And, uh, we were, uh, two of the, you know, two of the, uh, IOG executives are actually, were actually involved in commodity trades and they actually made some very good points about how money is made in the commodity trade business. Um, so why don't you kind of elaborate on that and and, and tell people, uh, what other value propositions and opportunities lie around what we're doing that we also, that can also, that uh, Paul Meyer can also utilize and monetize on?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so I think I can touch two points on this, which is when you're talking about, I don't like using the word middleman, but effectively market players, the existing market players and like disrupting them Like, how do you prevent that? And and so it ties into my first sort of response, I think. And one of the ways that we're thinking about it is because we're working directly with farmers and with factory owners, we actually get access to a lot of really interesting data. I mean, a lot of this data is actually often potentially captured by other people, um, but they don't really have access to it in real time, or they may not even have access at all. So Some of these players like the exporters and the regulators actually really care quite a lot about um, being able to see this information. And and if we're working directly um, at the source, um, we're in quite an interesting position to be able to share that and make that available for them. So there's a high level of de-risking involved um, and sort of working collaboratively with other market players that potentially we weren't initially looking to to work with. So that's sort of one angle. Um, And that, that also provides a revenue stream as well. Um, as for commodities, um, there's a few different ways you can make money um, in the commodity market space. So, the first one that probably seems obvious to everyone is, um, you know, you you basically provide a, a platform to connect the buyer and a seller, and you take some form of transaction fee. And that's something that's quite common, um, commonly done. A lot of these other traditional institutions that are regulated exchanges, they also make money by providing, like, these clearinghouse facilities. Um, And then other angles in the commodity space that you can actually make money on is futures, so providing a platform which allows people to lock in prices um, and dates, effectively. Um, And then, I guess, financing is also a really big part of the commodity space as well. And a lot of these regions struggle to get structured supply chain financing, um, and so being able to connect people well, firstly, capital allocators with people that require the capital um, is a really good way to actually make money as a platform as well. Dan, I don't know if that covered what you were after, but those are the various ways that you can make money in this space.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, essentially, what uh, the point that was made during our meeting with Charles by uh, by uh, by the uh, by the other people that were there was um, that actually, traditionally, um, the actual commodity trade itself uh, has a very low profit margin. Um, it's it's literally just like a really kind of you know bare bone profit margin i mean you don't make a killing on that right so what they do make a killing on is services around that right So around the commodity trade across cause the entire value chain and um i mean that's really where um uh, where we're also looking to kind of uh, grab value from and of course utilizing t- utilizing tools like uh, like blockchain like uh you know instant settlements like peer-to-peer transactions uh so basically you know making it better with tech and um yeah it's it's uh, i mean it, it, a lot of times it kind of comes together right so we're not just trying to reinvent the wheel here um you really kind of start to apply and this is why i'm so excited about uh what we're doing is because um we don't really have too many instances where we just kind of go in there and say, "Okay, so I can't really figure out what we're, you know, how we add value there." Uh, I mean, of course, you know, it's not across everything, but we don't have too many places where we get stuck, right? We always figure out a novel way of why Paul Meyer would be better, and uh, we're also very realistic about it. You know, if something doesn't work, and it doesn't work, uh, we tweaked our our business model uh, a couple of times already based on the information that we've gotten um, and uh, we're just not afraid to uh, to 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 kind of again keep just fine-tuning it so that the product that Palmyra becomes still uh, encompasses all the original uh, ideas and fundamentals that the, the system was built on while kind of having that maturity that really is necessary for the real world so it's just very exciting and again um it's 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 just really exciting to really you know be able to interact with these people and um uh you know sam you, you um you had a chance to. Uh, so we've been working with uh, with the tea factories that we signed on to the, uh, on, uh, you know, to, uh, the MOU with. Uh, we've been doing uh, interviews with them and uh, basically filling out questionnaires that uh, that Sam's brother Will uh, created. You know, Sam. Sam has a brother. He's very talented. His name is Will, and. Uh, I don't know why, but every time Sam spoke, speaks about his brother, he says Sam's brother, Will. So now everybody in the company says Sam's brother, Will, even though there's only one Will in the company. Um, but Will put together this really, really good questionnaire uh, to really do an assessment of, uh, you know, all the different all different things, pain points and gather information from these, um, from from the factories and Sam, I mean, you, you really had a chance to review some of these, and I mean, what is the sentiment there? Uh, what is the general? Uh, I guess you could say, uh, first of all, um, attitude, right? Uh, that you gathered from uh, work uh, from, from from our crew working with these people. I mean, I, it, it's really positive, right? I mean, it's it's really kind of um, gung ho way uh, you don't we don't really have to pull any information out of them. It's not like, ah, I don't want to do this. Oh God, no, it's they're like so they're just really willing to help help us I mean, isn't that
0: right? Yeah, you just answered the you just answered the question yourself, but um yeah, I've been on a few calls with some of these factory owners and the Sri Lanka team have been doing an excellent job running the interviews, and we haven't been involved in everyone, um, but we we're able to sort of hear the recordings and sort of see. Um, the information that's coming through as well. But very, yeah, very receptive. Like some some people are already doing um, sort of, you know, international direct selling. They've got access to sort of financing, um, yet they're still quite interested. Um, some factory owners, you know, may not be as digitized as some of their peers, um, and it's showing much more interest as well. But I think all in all, um, a lot of good feedback, they're being very open-minded, um, really excited about the opportunity to, you know, get access to some of the, you know, the most innovative sort of solutions out there that blockchain can provide. So, it, it hasn't been too difficult, I think, um, and and we've been able to build some really good uh, relationships with these people, and and they're strong advocates of the work we're doing. And yeah, I'm I'm personally just excited to go go meet them and drink some tea with them, basically.
1: Yeah, it's you know, it's it's this advocacy that that that, that really kind of touched me because. You know, um, uh, well, for example, my work in Georgia. Um, uh, from one hand, yeah, we, we we did do we did have a lot of friendlies over there. But on the other hand, I did run into you know skepticism over there uh, dealing dealing with traditional financial institutions. Um, this is back in 2018. You know, the uh, the Bank of Georgia didn't even want to really talk about anything that has to do with blockchain. We just kind of had this unofficial meeting over there um talking about blockchain like well you know we don't really want to spend much time on this right now you know it's um i mean we're looking into it but we have a lot of other stuff that we want to handle um and then of course uh you know last year i mean they had they had this uh uh, conference over there on uh, utilizing blockchain as a payment system in Georgia, and so it was this this really great evolution in four years. But at first, uh, you know, it wasn't like old peaches and cream, right? It wasn't all just like, oh yeah, come on, guys, come on, blockchain the shit out of us, come on, yeah, we're, we're ready. Uh, it's not like that. But with what, what's really cool about dealing with uh, with uh, our Sri Lankan uh, pilot participants is that, um, you know, y- y- you don't expect them to really have this much understanding of what, I mean, you don't tell them the, 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 all, all the techie stuff. Right. But the concepts, they, they get them, you know, you don't have to like, be like, okay, well, my blockchain is yada, yada, yada. And this and that's like, they understand what it is and they're very eager to be a part of it. And it's just really, really cool to be able to work with somebody that is that excited to work with you. So that's why we're just so so bullish in Sri Lanka, and just really kind of excited about this. I'm not excited about the twelve hours I have to spend in coach flying to Sri Lanka. Well, actually, no, it's it's like it's like what is it, like eight hours, right? Yeah, I have like four hours in in, in business class, and I have eight hours in. Uh, Not business, small Japanese coach class, which, you know, I I was just telling somebody earlier today, the problem with even when I get the extended legroom seats uh, is is that I'm not just like a tall person, I'm sort of a wide person, Um, you know, the older I get, the wider I get. Um, and, uh, you just got to sit down in one of these seats and, you know, like the, 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 the people who are making the planes right now, they're, they, they think that they can fit more people. by making a seat smaller, but it just doesn't work that well with me. I mean, I sit down in that seat. I take out a seat, I take out a, take up a one and a half seats and I, I, I can't trick my body into getting, being smaller. So I sit down in the seat. And I'm, like, sitting in my seat and then, like, halfway into the next person's seat. And then I just hope that there is no person in the seat next to me or the person that sits in the seat next to me is small enough so that I don't have to figure out how to fold myself in half so that I'm, not like sitting in their seat. But I guess that is, uh, you know, that's that's the reality of um, flying uh, and, and 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 keeping things in budget, right? So. You got to look after that budget, and you still have to get around. Well, you know, at least I'm not flying in the cargo department. Anyway, um, oh, and uh, we have a, a question from uh, Mister Chef. Go ahead.
2: Hey Dan, uh, sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to to make sure I'll ask some questions that I have got on my DMs, and we also we also got from from you know from the community members in our Discord. Um so if you don't mind I'll I'll start with the first one. Um it says here our friend and it's in the audience I'm not going to I'm not going to say the name just to keep the privacy. Um so the question goes I'm curious about what is the biggest threat that Zengate perceives. For instance is this regulatory? Also with this topic in mind how much of a threat is a legacy finance?
1: Um, Sam, actually, I think you might be better. I mean, of course I can answer this, but I think you articulate these things a lot better than me.
0: Yeah, just give me a sec to gather my thoughts. So I think, I I think the way we've looked at it is like, like the regulatory threats and mark, like market participant threats, um, i don't know if threats are the right word but those are things that we're definitely keeping an eye out for um so i guess the good and bad thing is maybe some of the stuff we're trying to do it's quite new it's quite innovative um and the regulation and sort of the legal frameworks legal frameworks around some of the stuff we're doing um at least in the emerging markets and emerging economies is uh, is is not as fleshed out as maybe in other parts of the world so there's definitely that risk of us doing sort of innovative things and then sort of running into that issue. But we're very, very much taking that on board and being very proactive, um, speaking with regulators from, you know, day one. Um, we're, you know, speaking very closely with the Ministry of Plantation Industries, um, and and so various other departments as well, just to make sure we're being compliant from from the start. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, as for, I guess, competitors, uh, you know, there are, you know, like Sri Lanka has a lot of, you know, uh, you know, strong, so sort of fintechs and sort of startups as well. And, you know, I'm not going to say directly in the same space, but definitely um, in so the fintech space that I guess we should be keeping an eye out for, whether it's collaboration opportunities or also or sort of direct competition. But, um, that's not something we haven't been worried about um, immediately, but we are sort of being very careful about conducting a scan of, of who these companies are and, and sort of trying to make an effort about understanding what that, what that means for us. Um, and I guess the bigger threat is probably, you know, if we're doing things like direct export and sort of direct market access at the factory level, Um, you know there's a there's a group of traders and exporters that you know their business model is effectively to buy tea at the the local domestic auction and to to do value add processes to that so they may you know have expertise in blending and packaging um, logistics as well and um, you know you know by not incorporating them um, into our business model and into our solutions that opens up you know, lots of vectors of attacks um, from from the business side. Um, once again, that's something we have been very cautious of, and um, we're we're working and speaking to these people um, every day to make sure that we've we've got a solution that makes sense um, for us, but also for them as well. So we're not here to completely disrupt and screw things around. We're augmenting. We're adding value um, to these to these um, uh, to these commodity markets. So. Like, yeah, always, yeah, being con- like cautious, being proactive. Um, but yeah, definitely lots of things that we need to keep an eye out for.
2: Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. Um, Dan, is there anything that you would like to add to to that? Before I move forward uh, to the next one?
1: No, I think Sam covered it pretty well. Again, that's, uh, that's what I was saying before, you know, we... Uh, we have to work alongside a lot of these uh, entities, and uh, you know, you, you don't want to go in there, you know, guns blazing, saying, "Okay, guys, get out of here; your time's up," um, because uh, you're, you know, it's uh, most likely not like that, and they most likely can uh, get you out of there uh, very, very quickly. Uh, so you really, really wanna be, want to want um, to de-risk yourself to set yourself up for success yeah that's it
0: the other bit really like this this might sound obvious it might sound a bit introspective but like i think i think ourselves are a really big threat like this is a really big opportunity like the the people are so excited that we're there like they're very cooperative very collaborative very open-minded and it's a big sort of problem you know and big opportunity we're trying to tap into and if we get distracted because there's lots of different modules and sort of paths to follow down, we won't be able to deliver the stuff we, you know, started or, or have in mind um, to deliver. So that's something Dan and I talk quite a lot about. Um, what do we start with? What is the sequencing of this stuff and and not getting stuck, um, you know, down these rabbit holes, which is very easy to do when there are lots of rabbit holes effectively. So, um, yeah, that's something I keep in mind. So every day as I go to work, and I ask myself, "Is this necessary?" Um, and that sort of guides my thinking and my strategy as well.
2: Awesome! Thank you so much, both of you. Um, I will move on to the next uh, to the next question that we got from a community member here. Um, how is adoption expected from the buyer side? Uh, do producers expect or want to require 100% of their sales to go through the Comdex? I'll stop there. And there's another, there's a second part uh, to, to that.
0: Well, I might start um, with the producer side and then I'll hand over to Dan to talk a little bit about our strategy to onboard buyers, um, especially as he's going to Las Vegas and, and will be attending the T Expo. Um, but on the producer side, right now, um, there's Well, when Palmyra is running this, you know, multiple ways that producers can interact with Palmyra also not interact with Palmyra. So they, there's no obligation for them or sort of like for them to basically pass all their sales through um, Palmyra. So they may have raw sort of tea that they'd like to send through the auction. Um, and so pass through the auction process. Um, and that, that could be, you know, a number of factors why that's the case. Um, you know, buyers may want sort of more packaged and um, sort of different quality sort of tea um, on the platform. And if the producers only have, so, you know, a small amount of that or a portion of that, um, they, they may not be able to pass all of it through. But it is just one of many options um, and there's no reason for them to only go with Palmyra. There, there is an existing system that also works quite well as well, which they can you know, continue to use. yeah and uh so
1: i mean onboarding buyers uh again this is uh, it's 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 a nuanced process um because there are all different types of buyers and um i mean what you essentially are doing on all different levels is and without really kind of digging too deep into it because we can you know dig into it a long long time but what you're doing for the buyers is you're actually providing access providing access and reducing overhead um and so what that does is it basically gives them a better understanding of of supply demand and their own finances and so um so why say for example we we, we get a lot of this uh, uh, we, we think about quite a bit about this uh, say like why would somebody buy on Palmyra uh, that they could have, you know, that, that hasn't bought tea before, right? Um, and why is this access so important? So um, what I always talk about with Sam and I think I mentioned it quite a few times, but again, um, it's about the eBay model. And they keep bringing it up, and sometimes Sam rolls his eyes at me, and he's like, oh, God, this shit again. But um, if you think about it, um, eBay, right? They came about back in the 90s, and I was actually one of the f- and I was I was on there back in the 90s, actually, which is kind of scary. But um, what did eBay bring? Why did eBay blow up so much? Was it because they invented the online auction? No, they didn't. Um, was it because they had something, uh, I don't know, uh, like stuff that nobody else had for auction? No, uh, sort of, I mean, they kind of expanded, they, they were, they're actually started as a, as a PEZ auction website, uh, PEZ dispensary, um, and then expanded to other auctions. But what they've actually provided is an ease of access to all these different items that people before just, I mean, they knew they existed, they wanted to buy them, but they just, it was just too too long of a process, too involved, right? Um, like, say, for example, uh, one of the things that I used to buy on eBay back in the 90s was actually Civil War art, artifacts, uh, American Civil War artifacts. I still actually have some um i used to collect them quite a bit and uh, what would happen is um before that you would actually have to go to uh you know to like gettysburg for example and you'd have to go to the different uh, civil war artifact shops in gettysburg and buy these things and uh, then you had to go through price books and you'd have to know you know what costs, how much, and so on and so forth. And um, when eBay came out, a lot of these things went up on eBay. And so I actually, you know, I I didn't have to kind of guess. I could uh, go on eBay and compare all these different things because there was more supply now and more variety, right? And so somebody like me could go on there and could actually, gauge what is available, what it goes for, what are the what condition is it in? Uh, what are the different varieties are available of, of these different artifacts and these different uh, Civil War relics. And so essentially this is what Palmyra is going to provide as well. Um, it's going to provide a uh, you know a, a wider availability and, and wider, um, I guess uh, spectrum of products that these buyers like say for example the rest the the average restaurant owner uh that's going to attend the uh the tea the tea conference which is actually going to be part of a larger restaurant fair um say for example these guys might and and a lot of times they don't buy directly from Sri Lanka, right? They might have Ceylon tea in their restaurant, or they might want Ceylon tea in their restaurant, but they have to buy it through a distributor because they don't have direct access to Sri Lankan tea. Um, The platform provides that for them. They don't have to go through somebody. They don't have to go to the shop in Gettysburg to get the Civil War artifacts. They can just go directly to the provider of the artifact, like I did, and buy directly from them. Um, and so that's just what it's all about. You know, it's all about bringing this, uh, bringing uh, a larger variety and ease of access for people who uh, didn't think that they could purchase these commodities this, this way or source these commodities these, this way just because there wasn't a, an easy and straightforward and uh, just an intuitive way of getting these things to them. Uh, without really having to be super knowledgeable about the trade.
2: Thank you, Dan. Um, before I go to the to the second part of the question, I just want to make sure I'll I'll you know I'll give a reminder to everybody that you're all more than welcome to hit the uh, speaker button and request to come up as a speaker if you have any questions for Dan or Sam or myself. Um, but uh, I'll keep going with the questions uh, that we have but uh, if there's anybody from the audience that would like to come up and ask any questions feel free to do so Um, I'll keep going with the questions that we got uh, on our discord here Um, what is the likely impact on local middlemen Um, again this is the part two of the question Uh, if middlemen are replaced how will foreign buyers and individual producers connect Basically, how will Zengate change the export dynamics uh, beyond broader theoretical market access? That's all the question.
1: Why don't you tackle that one, Sam, because we've been actually talking about this quite a bit as well.
0: Yeah, so I don't think we'll ever be in a situation, at least in Sri Lanka and and, and for tea, where the middlemen will get replaced. And we're not trying to replace them. Like these are big institutions um, and they play a really important role um, in, in the supply chain. And, and I'll give you an example, right? Like the brokers, there's eight brokers in Sri Lanka um, that broker f- um, at, the, at the auction. Um, and, and most of the exports at least currently run through the auction. And the brokers are really essential um, sort of parts um, of the supply chain. They've got their own warehouse infrastructure. So factory owners can basically store tea um, in a safe place um, you know for a period of time before the auction hits uh, you know they've got an extensive network of tea tasters um, quality assurance um, experts um, that the factory owners can tap into and the exporters rely on um, and and they also have you know uh, often most of them have access to to capital as well so they're an important lender in the market as well um, for the factory owners um, and, and just so, just talking about that alone, like they play a really important role. Whether or not you know all of the volume goes through the auction or not, that's a completely separate story. But I just don't see a um, a world right now where like a broker gets replaced. Like they are just too important right now, and they've just got a lot of like physical infrastructure, um, you know, that we're not looking to so sort of take on. Like we're not going to just build all these warehouses out of the blue. Like it's firstly very capital intensive, but why do it if, um, you know, it's already available? And, and so they provide a lot of important services. Um, and so logistics is the other one that I forgot to mention as well. So um, uh, that's my answer to like, because like, they're, they're, like, they're the people that broker between the factory owners and the exporters. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to go away anytime soon, at least. Um, so what was the second part of the question, Chef?
2: Sorry, I was I was trying to find it. So it's, uh, yeah, the second part is basically how will Zengate change the export dynamics uh, beyond broader theoretical market access? Yeah, I, I
0: think, yeah, I, I think, like, I think we can have a really big impact on the way logistics is done. That's what I think. Um, and yeah, I think market access is a really important part, right? Like export dynamics, Um but like I think for the first time, um, we'll be able to scale the ability to move and sort of export stuff directly and sort of closer to the source of the to commodity production. And I think that's fundamentally new um, in, in sort of the Sri Lankan market. And that's like, uh, and we'll have to see as well. Like part of this hasn't been done before, and and there's stuff that we can learn from other commodity markets, but. Um, You'll have to just wait along and see, I think, is probably my answer. Um, We'll find out soon. So I can see Jonah's got his hand up.
4: Hey, uh, thanks very much. Uh, It's a great space, Um, really exciting product. I'm just learning about it uh, here today in the space. Um, I have two questions. Uh, One is around um, how you guys foresee um, navigating kind of different regulatory environments, um, because I understand this is going to be sort of a global endeavor. Um, And... The other part is, do you have any dispute resolution sort of um, uh, tools involved inside of the system or would that be um, sort of dealt with uh, externally?
0: Yeah, I'll I'll answer that. So as for regulation, there's a lot of things that are regulated that apply to our business. So whether that's like commodity based stuff, um, there's local nuances, we're working with the like. You know lawyers on the ground that have expertise in in the jurisdictions that we're operating in so right now it's sri lanka and thailand um to keep in mind the other thing is um when we export you know when we do exporting as well we're exporting into countries outside of sri lanka so um we need to just be conscious of what the expectations are there and and we're sort of well firstly like talking to key players like the port authority um which will hopefully be meeting when we go to sri Lanka um next next couple of weeks or so uh, to understand as well like what the requirements are there if you're moving um you know moving things from one port to another um as for sorry what was the second part of the question jonah again
4: yeah uh, thanks that was uh, a great answer um it was about discrete resolution and not only between necessarily two um, users of the platform but let's say uh you the platform does fall afoul of some regulatory environment because maybe mm-hmm. uh, a mm-hmm. threat origin issue or something like that. Uh, how would you deal with sort of uh, that dispute?
0: I think one of the first, like, main things that commodity markets face, um, which will result in the need for dispute resolution, resolution is like, you know, if, if someone doesn't pay on time or if something doesn't get delivered on time. So there's a lot of, ways to do that that we can learn from traditional markets um, and collateral management is and so sort of counterparty risks are some of the things that we're definitely thinking about that need to be part of the platform so that's like how do you reduce the risk that a supplier doesn't supply when they say they will um, so there's certain kyc standards a sense sort of inventory stock standards as well that you have to implement and, and so sort of quality assumptions as well so one of the things that we're Um, diving into like really, really deeply from the start is the ability to trace where things have moved. Has it met the quality assurances, the standards at the global level? So whether that's ISO um, sort of standards, um, or at least for tea, there's this thing called the Rainforest Alliance, which a lot of the tea producing um, businesses, you know, apply to and and sort of uh, benchmark against. So that's really important. And then the other bit um, for counterparty risk is you know, if the buyer is paying your time, there's a lot of stuff that um, traditional commodity markets have been able to um, perfect over the last um, couple centuries, right? This commodity has been traded for hundreds of years that we can apply. So uh, we're confident that that stuff can be taken care of. Um, As for, I don't know, certain, I don't know, attacks or risks that may not have been foreseen, like we have a robust risk management sort of framework that we're applying you know ourselves against so we'll do our best to follow those standards but um, definitely we're keeping an eye on the big ones that um, commodity exchanges often face
4: excellent thank you so much and you actually uh, uh, kind of touched on the other a little aspect of the question and that was about kyc but you do um, imagine having sort of participants go through some sort of kyc KYC process is that right
0: yeah definitely so Like one of the things we're looking to do um, is work with the regulatory agencies um, and different associations as well. So for example, we signed an MOU with the TFOA. So that's the Tea Factory Owners Association. And they represent um, all of the factory owners um, in Sri Lanka that produce tea. So like by working with these, Dan likes to call it the middle out approach, like these larger institutions and organizations and um, associations, like they have a, a large member base that we can tap into um, that basically have already been um, KYC'd and, and sort of credentialed in that sense. So there's a lot of cool blockchain tools that we can leverage, like verified credentials um, and also standard KYC processes that exist, um, you know, currently that players like IAMX, for example, that, you know, Chef knows. Quite closely and Dan to so his friends with that we we hope to you know leverage as well. So they've 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 got some ex- extensive tooling um, and so solutions that um, hopefully we can tap into.
4: Fantastic. Thank you for those uh, responses.
0: Yeah, this is uh,
1: this is actually uh, you know the, the, uh, what what I keep talking about. Uh, you know, you don't lead with blockchain, but you just basically look throughout your entire. Uh, platform and your entire application and uh, the application strategy of, uh, of what you're trying to solve and you figure out where blockchain can be most effective. So uh, in this instance, uh, blockchain can be most effective in utilizing bits That's uh, for KYC so that once uh, the, uh, the the buyer or or the or the the buyer the seller have been have gone through KYC. They can then get a DID, uh, which will then represent them in the system, so that they can basically can basically pass around credentials, uh, pass around different uh, different uh, token tokenized representations of assets and so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, th- this this is a good place to utilize DIDs, and this is what we're looking to do
4: awesome can i ask one more just like this your opinion on something um sorry to co-op this uh, for a minute here um uh do you know the company trade lens are you familiar with them
0: yeah we've come across them um yeah
4: yeah so i, I my understanding is that they had this sort of uh, shutter shop like they closed down and i was wondering if you had any um if if the shuttering of that business gave you in, any insights into the sort of the, the challenges around supply chain or, or why they uh, were not able to, um, you know, fully realize their, their, um, you know, their structures? Well, uh, I mean, just in general,
1: um, and I'll also let obviously Sam chime in on this, but um, in general, you um, Uh, One of the reasons, uh, well, one of the things that we've discovered was that, uh, and this I discovered uh, working with supply chain and with traceability, um, is that it's not very easily monetizable, right? So you have to really find the niche uh, that uh, your particular system will solve. And if you can't really kind of... focus yourself into that niche you can miss the window opportunity quite easily and this is why we actually are applying traceability to uh the products but not leading with traceability we're not leading with supply chain right so this is just part of the um of the aggregate approach that we that the, the, which is what we call the aggregate approach that um uh, Meyer uh, takes to solving all these different uh, all these different problems, that in the end will combine to create opportunity and create more more availability for uh, or, or more inclusion for uh, for all these different users. Do you want to you want to chime in on that, Sam?
0: Yeah, and and so Jonah, that's a really good question. So for those that haven't heard of TradeLens before, that it was a I guess like an open sort of supply chain platform that did things like traceability digitization of trade related you know legal documents um, sort of analytics for all sorts of people like importers and exporters um, and it was a jointly developed project I think by IBM and a large shipping company called I, I don't know how to pronounce it but I think it's called um, Mayersk um, from memory but yeah I, I remember that coming on to like my LinkedIn feed a, a number of months ago and I think it was a really ambitious project and to touch on what Dan was talking about, um, monetizing traceability is difficult. And I think there's a few ways that people have so far been successful in doing that. Um, and so monetizing some of this stuff, but the main, one of the main things we're doing, like, we're not looking to monetize on just digitizing trade documents. We're not looking to like, we're trying to connect people. We're trying to connect businesses all around the world. And some of the tools and the modules will be built around that. So, like, we're very much focused on what we like to call within our company this aggregated approach. It's not we're going to be a um, supply chain traceability company. You know, traceability is a really important part of the solution that we're offering, but we won't monetize on it. So that's sort of one response. The other response is... um, you can't tackle everything at once, right? Like they, this is a really large project, and yes, IBM and sort of, you know, Mask like like these are large institutions and they've got large clients, customer bases that they they can use. But I think one of the things that we're very much focused on is can we pilot this um, in a region that's um, open-minded, that's collaborative, that's willing to sort of work with us. And can there be a profitable business model that we can build off the back of that? And if the answer is yes, and, and so we obviously think internally the answer is yes, um, we can sort of move on piece by piece and scaling that up. So I think the strategy and the approach around the size and sort of how quickly you do it, I think is really important. And I think there's a lot we can learn off the back of TradeLens. They did a lot of really good work as well that we can learn from and and definitely um, so speaking to people that were part of the project, I think will be really important for us to make sure that we can avoid some of the pitfalls that they faced.
4: Awesome! Thank you, guys. Love the answers. Uh, I'll step down now. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Jonah. Awesome questions,
2: Jonah. Thank you so much for coming up and and asking those uh, those awesome questions. Uh, we really appreciate you, sir. Um, I'm just gonna. I just have one one last question uh, for for you, Dan and Sam. And uh, you kind of touched touched on it a little bit, but like, how the question is uh, again from our Discord: How are you similar and different than IBM Food Trust blockchain?
0: I'll let Dan answer that one.
2: Dan, you're muted or, but yeah, you're definitely muted right now if you're trying to give an answer.
0: I guess I'll take this one. Um, <laughs>
2: oh yeah, yes, yeah, Sam, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I, I, I I think there are a lot of similarities, you know, like in some of the stuff that we're trying to do, um, whether or not they're, Directly targeted the regions that we're interested in. That's a completely different story. But we're we're looking to, yeah. I, I, well, firstly, like the fact that it's um not on an open blockchain is probably one sort of difference. Um, but I think there's a lot of so similarities in the type of work that they're doing. So they're building a similar type of network. Um, around sort of, you know, smarter, so sustainable food ecosystems and whatnot. Like, we're very much focused at the commodity level um, that goes beyond uh, food. Like, these are raw materials like gold, um, so cashmere products, like Dan mentioned in Mongolia um, and beyond. So, I think there's a lot of stuff, once again, like with tra- trade lens that we can learn from it, but we're very much focused on dealing with commodities at the raw form as opposed to all the way through to, you know, to a finished and processed uh, product that people consume.
1: Sorry about that, everybody. I had a bit of a unmuting problem. I almost got rugged. Um, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I think Sam mentioned, uh, yeah, this is this is a pretty good uh, way to uh, summarize the differences, actually. uh because, you know, th- there are quite a few similarities. Uh, number one, uh, we're using a public ledger, uh, which is one of, you know, one of our staples uh, well, and, and, and how we bring value is this immutable and public, uh, uh, public, uh, uh, you know, public accountability for, for transactions. So that's number one and two. Again, um, uh, yeah. Again, again, what Sam said. And I know that I brought up the eBay model before, right? But um, in this in this instance, uh, it's actually uh, really important to say that we don't want to build an eBay for tea, or don't want to build an eBay for commodities. So we have a um, a fairly well defined, um, uh, well a, a fairly uh, well well fleshed out definition of what we would be dealing with and what we won't be dealing with on the platform. And so, um, essentially, what we're what we're sticking to is raw commodities, and we actually have had um, uh, some dealings with, uh, with people, uh, that, uh, we're asking, okay, well, how about, can, can you list this or can you list that, can you list that? And, um, uh, there is such a, I mean, we, we, we have to stop, right. We have to stop at a, at, at products that are not raw commodities because like I said, if you, just start listing everything. First of all, uh, it's a lot harder to create a uh, a repli- repl- 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 replicable um, onboarding model and a replicable trading and buying and selling model for these things. Uh, you know, it's a lot harder to create a more standardized futures, con- futures contract or uh, yeah, futures contract and forward contract uh, vehicles for these things. And uh, essentially, you start getting away from actually being commodities, and get to it being, like I said, eBay for these all these different things. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's it in a nutshell.
2: Thank you both of you for the for your answers. Now I do have one last question, but uh, that's not coming from a human being; it's coming from a dog. So I'm I'm going to most likely not ask that question. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, well, I guess I will. Um, the question is, are we going to see any dog food on Palmyra Comdex? Uh, even though you can't answer that question.
1: (laughs) Well, um, we might not see dog food in particular, but, um, I think uh we will see different uh different commodities. I, I I know, you know, I know it's a joke and I'm just trying to be all serious with it. Uh yeah, sure, why not? Uh dog food, as long as you know it uh grows or out of something or other. We can put it on there. Also rugs. Um I think we have we, we you'll be able to to source materials to
2: make many, many rugs. That's awesome thank you thank you for answering that uh, that dog question. Uh we do have one one last question here. We have um Amosba I hope I hope I I hope I pronounce your name correctly my friend. Hello how are you? Welcome.
3: Good. I just basically have one question and that is what will be the minimum almost like batch for the Comdex like on your um ui video the weight was like 550 kilograms like do you have a minimum quantity size for a listing
1: yeah so that's actually um i mean sam can also chime in on this because i think both of us have the same amount of knowledge about this particular um uh, question but really it it all depends it depends on the commodity on and on the commodity creators and whether they're they're basically willing to have as their smallest slot and in fact this came up when our uh, in some of our first meetings with the factory owners um uh, there is such a thing as too small of an amount and uh, this is something actually that they were asking us about Uh, because uh, they ran into this issue before, you know, they were trying to directly sell and uh, the buyers just were buying such small amounts that uh, it just cost them way too much to ship and to, to do anything for this to be cost effective. So yeah, just to answer your question, it depends on the commodity. Uh, It'll depend on the particular region or particular commodity. There is no, uh you know we don't set this basically we work with the commodity producers to set these uh, you know minimum lot sizes.
0: Yeah, and just to elaborate a little bit more as well for you like like the the practical sort of um, barriers in terms of lot size that you currently face is like logistics costs, right So if you're trying to send a cart like a a crate, um, shipping containers worth of a commodity it's going to be like the the logistic costs make a lot more sense so initially I think it makes sense to start and to sort of scale with the larger lot sizes and as you're able to get the right amount of buyers um, and sort of aggregation tools available um, you'll be able to reduce the amount of um, sort of minimum am- I guess you can make the minimum amount smaller than you initially sort of intended so I think there's I think the strategy, at least in terms of what you'll probably see, like once we launch, it'll probably be larger quantities to start with. And then once we get that scaling component right, um, where, where part of it is sort of working with logistics companies and sort of freight forwarding companies, but also understanding the buyer dynamics as well, we'll probably be able to reduce that and sort of allow more players to access and sort of tap into to Palmyra as well. So that's the way I'm thinking about it as well right now. Did that answer your question? Um, yeah.
3: Um, and then I I was listening earlier and had one more question. Is there almost a way you could, for lack of a better term, like crowdfund a purchase? I.e., if there's like a 550 kilogram
0: uh, lot on the website, almost like, you know, 10 people could each buy 55 kilograms
1: um actually sam uh we were just talking about that actually yes this is something that we've been that that we discussed quite recently um where uh we could attract uh you know uh, smaller buyers and smaller business owners uh, that don't want to buy you know a ton of tea um to basically you know partially own a lot right so uh You know, you have all, of course, this is not just going to be, it's not going to be a simple thing. We're going to have to make agreements with uh, the participating factories in this case, the participating commodity producers. But uh, essentially, yeah, what you would have is, say, uh, what we were thinking basically is, for example, if a factory has a certain lot of uh, tea that they want to allocate towards. I mean, that's, that's not the best way to say it because it's got a different definition, but fractional ownership, uh, tra- you know, fractional ownership means something else in, in, uh, in finance, but for the lack of a better term, uh, partial ownership or crowd ownership of, an, of this asset. And then uh, what we can actually do is um, – uh, yeah, we can get uh, if we if we if we have groups of people, cooperatives of people that would like to own this particular commodity and get it distributed uh, amongst them. Then yes, we can. We'll, we we would like to be able to do that. In fact, uh, the example that I brought up for Sam, and this is not exactly what this is. But this is along the lines of something like this. Um, uh, so this is uh, there. There's a website. It's still out there. Uh, it changed its its business model, but uh, back in the '90s and early 2000s, um, the website called PriceLine, PriceLine.com. Um, I don't know if some of the old schoolers remember that how what it used to be back in the day but uh priceline was basically and you know william shatner was was their spokesperson um they were about you know naming your price you know you can name your price on, on on airplane tickets on hotels and um what they had for a while was actually gas and this is back in like 99 2000 you could actually buy a a lot you know and a a batch of gas and then, uh, you know, you would name your price per gallon and you would buy it in, you know, like uh, you know, like a thousand gallons of it. Right. And then uh, what they would do is they would uh, send you a, a special card that you can use and participate in participating, participating gas stations to, you know, to 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 fill up with that gas. And so, uh, yeah, so you would spend, you know, several like whatever, a few hundred bucks. On this gas, but you would get it at a high discount, and you essentially own, uh, uh, you know, own a larger lot that you can then cash out at smaller amounts. So again, this is something we were thinking about as well. So, what if somebody purchases a uh, a lot of tea uh, that they cannot take full delivery on? So maybe there is uh, there is a warehousing facility that can then dispense certain amounts for them. Uh, yeah, we've been thinking a lot about these different things.
2: Amos, is, uh, is there uh, anything else that you would like to ask uh, before we move on to Pyro?
3: Nope, I'm good. Uh, thanks for your time and answering my questions.
2: Thank you for coming up. We appreciate it. Pyro, welcome, my friend. How are you doing? Good morning.
3: Hey, good morning. Um, actually I've been in e-commerce since 2011. Uh, and then I kind of stopped in 2020 to, you know, change careers. Um, but my question was, uh, is there any consumer protection, um, or insurance or whatever when buying on your platform? And, uh, is there like a rating structure that these uh, wholesalers will have or even, on the reverse side, for the buyers too, um, is there any protections for the the, the sellers when interacting with buyers? Um, just kind of interested.
1: Yeah, Sam, why don't you take this one because you, uh, you 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 did quite a bit of uh, work okay. on that.
0: Yeah, so I think um, uh, as for. As, as for like the ranking system I think that's a really important thing you brought up and that's something we've talked about internally as well um sort of within the product team and I think it's really important to or firstly reward people that are delivering on time and so being good suppliers and good buyers um, to you know effectively uh, you know get the best access I think and and to penalize those that aren't adhering to the the standards that you're setting for the platform. So I think that, firstly, that's really important. Um, I think we can learn a lot about what Amazon does and what, I guess, various other e-commerce platforms do as well. So, um, yeah, Pyro, like the the ranking system and sort of rating system, I think is, I think, a core part um, that needs to be part of the platform. And then as for consumer protection, um, I guess one of the things that we've been thinking about which we want to plug in is some form of insurance, so whether that's insurance around delivery of the product or some, you know, other sort of insurance products, um, those are things that we want to plug in. And I think the exciting ways to plug in uh, to the traditional insurers but also potentially um, insurance from DeFi pools. Um, so that's something we're actively working on and I think it needs to be part of it as well. Like, like embedded insurance, embedded financing, these are things that um, make a customer experience better but they also protect the customers as well.
3: Is there a lot um, size? So if I have my uh, my local farmers market and I just want to buy something um, as a uh, you know as an average person on your website, so I could resell, um, would the lots most likely be wholesale or will I be buying at like a like a retailed price?
0: So I, I think that one of the main selling points for using Palmer is, is for wholesalers. This is a B2B, but primarily a B2B platform as for the actual physical settlement and physical delivery of the commodities that's on the platform. And one of the selling points is if you're going direct to the source, you should have pretty competitive pricing and sort of rates as well. So, um, yeah, that, that, yeah, I hope that answers your question, Pyro.
3: Yeah, that's it. I, I appreciate it. It sounds like it's going to be a really strong website and I hope it gets traction. I'll help push the traction, be even uh, a buyer. So, exciting. Thanks, Pyro. Thank you for coming up, Pyro.
2: We always appreciate you. You're, you've been a big, big supporter of, uh, of the project and the Ergo ecosystem in general. So we always appreciate you when you come up on on the space um i think um i'm not sure dan uh, or sam how how you guys feel but uh do you think that it's time for us to conclude our space for today for t- tonight for you i know it's quite late uh over there
1: yeah actually i just want to say you know um pyro every time i see your name and i know you know i mean i guess to everybody the yeah, others it, it brings different imagery but to me for some reason um I keep thinking about uh, like every time I see your name, I keep thinking about the song Pyro from Offspring's second album. There's a song uh, from, from the second album that came out in like ninety four or something like that. It's called Pyro. And I don't know, I just always hear that song in my head whenever whenever I see your name.
0: Yeah, I think of Pyro like the um, the X-Men character. I that's what comes to my mind at least.
1: Yeah, but that's like, you know, you're 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 a young person. I am not I'm a middle aged person. Middle aged people think of the offspring's first
2: and second albums.
1: You know. I like the uh,
2: middle aged comment. I like the middle aged comment that you just made for yourself. <laughs> yeah, a certain a
1: certain other uh ruggish dog mean uh coin that uh or token, whatever uh that is not with us anymore i think uh, he he's the one that carried that particular narrative across social media that's so true that's so
2: true uh well listen uh, i just want to make sure that uh that we thank everybody for joining and and you know before before we we conclude our space i just wanted to give a, a little bit of a another update of, of what will be coming um, down the road within this month. Uh, like we said, I'm just going to do a recap here. Uh, in the middle of the month, uh, we will be going um, in Sri Lanka. Daniel and Sam will be on the ground and uh, we'll be having uh, conducting interviews uh, and workshops with with a lot of the tea farmers, producers, um, tea tea factory owners, um, and we're also going to be having the World Tea Expo uh, in Las Vegas uh, in March 27th to 29th. And this is where um, Daniel, myself, and uh, some other team members are going to be uh, at the expo talking with every single person uh, from the tea industry that uh, will, be, um, will be coming down there. And so... Uh, Feel free, feel free if you guys have any questions uh, during that time. Uh, we're always we're always uh, open for communication and uh, we're always willing to answer any questions you might have. Uh, but do expect that uh, there's gonna be a lot of content uh, coming out from us, uh, blog posts like some, um, some mentioned in the beginning of the space. And uh, we're also going to be having, because we mentioned earlier, um, the um, Sam's brother, Will. Uh, we will be having, uh, as of this month, uh, we started this um, these, uh, series, this YouTube series uh, that, uh, that I call Meet Our Team. So we will be having content coming out uh, from our team members. That way, all the community will get to know the people behind ZenGate. Um, and uh, again, we will make sure that we'll bring them on the spaces as well. That way, again... Uh, Everybody, our community and the team members, uh, the Zengay team members will actually, you know, get to know each other um, and uh, have that open communication with everyone. I just wanted to make sure that I'll mention all that before we conclude our space. I'm not sure if Daniel or Sam would like to um, give any final thoughts.
1: Yeah, just, uh, again, like you said, Mr. Chef, uh, it's it's great to have all of you here. Thank you very much, everyone, for the great questions. Uh, we always are really thrilled to get feedback from you, to have you participate in our spaces and our Discord or, and, you know, anywhere. I mean, just converse with us. Uh, really love the community. And, uh, yeah, just really feel, you know, pumped to see so many people so interested in what we're doing.
2: Sam, any any last words from
0: you, sir? Yeah, it's uh, same thing as Dan. Thank you very much for everyone dialing in um, on a Friday and um, I hope everyone has a really awesome weekend.
2: Awesome well, thank you so much, everybody. Um, this is it uh, for the space for uh, for today. Um, and again, we'll be in touch with with all of you in the upcoming weeks uh, with more spaces, updates on YouTube. Uh, so stay tuned uh, with uh, and follow all of our social medias uh, and join the discord as well. Thanks again for joining us.